first thing I want to say is that um, Easter has got nothing to do with hot cross buns, chocolate eggs, or Easter bunnies. And on the other hand, if any of you have been out and kindly bought me one, that's okay. <laughs> Well, this morning, I think the idea is to have a kind of panoramic view of Easter. We're now approaching the, the real essentials of Easter. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And so, in a light, I want us this morning just to think about well, one particular verse, which I'll talk to you about a little later on. But I'll generally look through the eyes of Jesus, of what was lying ahead. It helps us then to perhaps appreciate how tremendous is the love of God for what he did through us. God became flesh, he dwelt amongst us. He was tempted in all ways like we are, remained without sin, and yet he went through immense suffering in the approach to the cross itself. I suppose when we enter into next Sunday and Palm Sunday, we are on the progression towards Jerusalem. Remember how Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. There's a determination and an, a knowledge, even though he was the Son of God, he was also the Son of Man. So all the afflictions that he went through were real as a man. And yet, in triumph, he was God. Palm Sunday was the entry into Jerusalem. The crowds that were around him were hailing him. There were others perhaps standing by and saying, what on earth is this all about? But the followers of Jesus, those who have seen the wonderful miracles he had performed, probably many of them who had been on the receiving end of his miracles. But here was many people who had followed Jesus, throwing their palms in front of him, hailing him, praising him as he went through Jerusalem. That was the beginning of a door that was just now opening for him. I want us to think for a moment or two about one of the two events that took place, not dwelling on any of them to any extent. Think about the Last Supper, when having gone through Jerusalem, you know, things now gathering together, and he had this last meal with his friends, his disciples. It's a lovely thought, you know, that Jesus felt the need to have friends. He was the Son of God, he was performing miracles, he would do mighty things, but he needed friends. And it's a strange thing perhaps to say, but you know, God needs you and me. We are part of his kingdom, we are part of his family, we are his children, but also, I think it's wonderful to know we're his friends. And he is our friend. And as I the old input, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins. And Greece to be. He was a friend. And he gathers together that little group of a dozen friends around the table and as they broke bread and as they drank of the wine. You know, there's this sense 
perhaps that suddenly came upon them as Jesus had begun to tell them of what was lying ahead. And he was saying to them, in effect, you know, this is the last time I'm going to eat this supper with you. I won't drink of the wine anymore until I'm with my Father in paradise, who you are with me. And I just think perhaps the passion, the emotion of that particular moment, because what I'm really talking about for the next minute or two is the kind of trauma and the emotion that Jesus as the Son of Man was going to go through. And here was one of saying goodbye to his friends. And I'm sure those friends, Peter, James, John, Judas even, although he was the betrayer, I think all of them must have felt somehow or another, you know, surely this is not going to be as he says. One occasion, you know, Peter rebuked him and said, you know, this will not happen. And Jesus had to explain to him, he had to stand to one side and not hinder him. And there was, of course, after the supper, the betrayal of Judas. Here is one of those who was, I believe, still close as one of the disciples. There's all sorts of theories been put forward why Judas did what he did. The most powerful one is that he wanted to push Jesus into doing things quickly, you know, becoming the king, liberating Jerusalem from the Roman power. Because that was very much in the minds of the people, that how they saw Jesus coming. That was the new kingdom as far as they were concerned. They, they, they seldom, few of them, very few of them, really grasped what the kingdom of heaven was really going to be about. They still saw it, saw it as something material rather than something spiritual. Awful thing, betrayal, isn't it? Judas betrayed him. And in many respects, so did all the disciples. But this was the betrayal. Then came the denial. The denial of Peter. Oh, he was so sure, you know, that he would stand by Jesus for the last moment. But Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew Peter. He knew the frailty of man. And there was great comfort in that, you know, because when we do fail the Lord, he, do, he does understand. You know, we do just terrible things. We perhaps do betray Jesus. Perhaps we do deny him. We may sin against him in many ways, but the great thing is that he does understand us. He knows our frailty. He knows our weakness. There was the injustice that he suffered before Pilate. Very often when I read that part of the scripture of Jesus standing before Pilate, I, I have in my heart of hearts sympathy for Pilate. Because he saw Jesus as he was, he, he knew he was an innocent man. He knew the accusations that were thrown before him were unjust. But unfortunately, he didn't have the strength of his convictions. And when the lies were put before Pilate, the chief priests, the leaders, they told lies about Jesus. And you know, one of the biggest lies that they told was this. Pilate presented Jesus before the crowd and before these priests and said, Behold your king. 
above their answer, we have no king but Caesar. That was a lie. Because they hated Caesar. They wanted to be rid of Caesar. They didn't want the power of Caesar over them. And what they were saying was, well, Caesar's our king. They had no respect for Caesar. But it was just a way of, say, putting Pilate on the spot. Because he realised suddenly then that if he, if he let Jesus go, the priest would go straight away, the powers of Rome, and say, look, he chose Jesus over Caesar. And a terrible thing would have happened then to Pilate. Yeah, the personal things, which overcame his sense of justice. In the end, he was a coward. But there again was the trauma of the lies that were put forward. And then, of course, there was the humiliation. The cross was a symbol of humiliation. To have people hanging on the cross and mocking them, as the soldiers did to Jesus, was humiliation. Here was the Son of God, betrayed, betrayed, denied, lied about, now upon the cross. All the way through this passion, there is humiliation being poured upon Jesus. That, of course, 